just run these ones by you, Dr. Lucinda. Mm-hmm. Uh, one with a, a pet owner of a cat who's got a recurring infection from maybe from a bite. Um, it keeps coming back. Any advice? Hmm. Yeah, um, those those ones can be frustrating. Uh, the first thing you should do, though, if it's sort of, I'm assuming it's in the same area, it's the same wound that sort of heals and then the cat scratches it open or it's just not going away, you should just actually take your cat for a veterinary checkup because it's possible there might be something underlying that's suppressing its immune system, which makes it not able to actually heal properly. Also, it's possible there could be something under the skin or in the tissue, you know, like a bit of gravel or thorn, you know, because those things, unless you actually take that out it's going to keep irritating the skin and the wounds will come back so that's where i think you should start with that one yeah it's a good point isn't it my Mm. cat actually had a recurring infection and i noticed as well her behavior i thought she's just a bit of a grumpy thing (laughs) but actually i think it was because she perhaps was in you know either pain or at least discomfort yeah yeah no i mean it's definitely uh, it should be addressed because you think that they're fine but i'm sure something that's draining and irritating them you know it's not pleasant to have Another question for you that came in this week is, um, well, really asking, is it really that bad to put your face close to a dog or cat? So, you know, if you're being affectionate, maybe you're rubbing your face up against them, maybe you've got children. Um, is it okay or is it dangerous? Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's dangerous. I think, you know, you just need to use common sense and, and just be cautious uh, about certain situations anyway. You know, sometimes cats and dogs can transmit skin diseases like ringworm. So if your animals have any bald patches on their face or their skin isn't quite right, before you let your young child rub up against it, possibly just get that checked because children are susceptible to ringworm. So, you know, that's something you'd want to avoid. Also, the obvious, uh, make sure the cat or dog is really friendly because going up near their face and rubbing up can sometimes cause them to scratch or bite. And so that's obviously something you need to consider. But in general, a healthy dog or cat's mouth, especially one where the teeth are in fairly good condition and there's not big loads of plaque everywhere, I would imagine there's no real risk at all um, because, you know, we expose ourselves to bacteria and bugs all the time. We touch surfaces, we touch our face however many times a day it is, and we touch surfaces that other people, animals have touched. So I think it's basically fine and there's nothing really to be concerned about. But if your pet is healthy, if their mouth is healthy and there's nothing obviously wrong with their skin and they're friendly pets i think you should just go ahead and cuddle okay sounds good to me as long as you know they're safe and trustworthy and uh, yeah go for it why not (laughs) but we always like to get into a few stories and we've got a lot of stories for you this morning animal news so animal news coming up we're going to be taking a look actually at and it's a bit of an appeal really uh jenga um this is from the middle east animal foundation and really calling out for finding a home for jenga now you may be aware of his story it was in all of the newspapers um here in the uae he was discovered rescued and he'd been shot uh that was out in fajera so we're going to give you an update on how jenga's doing and also really reach out if you know anyone that can give jenga either a temporary home or a forever home so uh, we'll get to that story in a little while Um, our talking point today by the way and it's not a happy one but you know what if you get there early you can make a big difference it's the same for humans why not for pets Um, early detection or how to detect uh, cancer in your pet and it ties in rather nicely to a 
rather beautiful story that we're going to be sharing with you in a little while. Uh, Todd brought this uh, film to my attention. I had been reading the story over the weekend, but I hadn't seen the film. And I uh, got into work yesterday morning, opened it up, started watching it. Thanks very much, Todd. You had me crying within five minutes <laughs> of starting too. work. And uh, welcome. I wasn't late. <laughs> <laughs> you were there all the time. I was there all the time. <laughs> well, welcome to the show. And we've already done a few questions, but we're just looking at some news stories. And I wanted to start with the uh, coming out of, well, it's out of uh, Georgia, actually. I'm looking at the Guardian newspaper story, Zoo Animals on the Loose and Deaths Feared After Georgia Floods. Uh, we covered it on the news yesterday. Um, escaped hippopotamus shown here in a picture in Tbilisi Square. Devastating floods reportedly killing 12 people and wild animals escape from city zoo. This is like something out of a movie. I mean, it's a very sad story. It is a very sad story. And I mean, it's something that you, you think can't happen, but obviously it does, you know. Massive flood and it apparently destroyed the zoo practically. They have to rebuild it from scratch and literally all the animals escaped. And the sad thing is, is that they had to actually euthanize a lot of them in order to actually keep the public safe because there were people hiding in garden shacks and all sorts of things and um they lost their main attraction a white lion i think that's right um, yeah, yeah real tragedy yeah, yeah and uh, you know i mean luckily you know they managed to recapture some of them but it's just, yeah, it's literally, it's like Madagascar gone wrong. You yeah, know? yeah. movie Madagascar gone wrong. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's awful, yeah. And again, you know, whatever your thoughts may be on, on zoos, when animals have been reared in a zoo and there are, you know, inferior wild animal, but being reared in a zoo and something like this happens, they're fearful, they're scared, they're running wild, but they are a danger to yeah. the public. So um, that story will continue to see how the recovery is. And also, I think, you know, questions being raised about how that zoo zoo will be rebuilt for the people in the future todd how are you this week um i'm i'm unbelievably stressed and full of tension oh, how bless you? you i think well you know what i think many people are at this time of the year the heat's not helping the humidity's not helping and what about our pets you know so keeping them cool and keeping yes. them safe and 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 of course at this time of year you know very busy for you yeah, guys yeah, business uh, is picking up yeah, now, yeah dubai kennels and catering now yeah. somebody uh, contacted the show in the week asking i mean they're not putting their dog into kennels but they're nevertheless saying they're worried about their 11 year old golden retriever he's an old dog we've had him all his life and each year it gets a little bit harder to leave him behind he's going to mm. be staying in the family home um the housemaid will be there and a friend will be coming in to take him out but you know he's getting bigger i mean as in he's a bit heavier he's an old boy and yeah i, I think just some reassurance i suppose at this time of year with the heat and humidity well uh, well i mean you know if he's given if he's given the right care and attention um it, sh it shouldn't be a problem age is obviously a problem in and of itself at times but um you know i'm wondering if they're having some concerns because the dog's being left at home and maybe they're concerned that he's not getting enough attention uh because he's old and and not particularly well um you know i th i think if if that is what's being <coughs> addressed it's uh, it's going to sound like I'm trying to sell my services, which I promise you I'm not. But, you know, if you, uh, again, if you do a little bit of shopping around, you talk to people and you ask the right questions, um, 
it, it, it really can be a terrific thing to do to take an infirm animal or an animal that's not at his best and put him into a, a kenneling environment. But it has to be a quality kenneling environment where the people there are uh, knowledgeable and understand what they're looking for and how to take care. Because what it means is that you've got a lot of people who are providing little bits of attention all through the day, which means that the dog is experiencing constant attention in one way or another, you know. Um, and, you know, at our place, if there's medication, we can administer the medication. And, you know, dogs that, that need the attention, we, we keep them in the, the offices with us and so on. So, you know, I, I understand the hesitation against using a kennels. But, um, you know, it sounds like in this case, maybe they need to think about that a little bit. Um, you know, we do, do see over the summer, it's because people go away. Funnily enough, they don't seem to go away for as long a period of time as they used to. No. But often, you know, I see people before they go and they're worried because their dog is old and what happens if something happens and we'd be terrible if we were away and out of the country. And those things are all definitely things that um, you should consider. I do agree with Todd. If a dog, is, a, is he, his health is not optimum, to have it in a place where someone's monitoring is a good idea. And also to get an arrangement with your vet as well and make sure that there's some system in place that the maid or the person who's coming in is able to get the dog to the vet and there's payment pl- uh, uh, terms agreed on prior so that if you're on a, in a different time zone, care doesn't need to be stopped. Mm. A lot of people forget to do that and that is often where there are problems. Well, I don't know if Lucinda is actually thinking about what I'm about to say, but th- th- we, we actually have a little story, very short, uh, of exactly this. Uh, several months ago, we were um, approached by uh, an existing customer, uh, but they hadn't used us for a while, and they were going away this summer, and their their dog is staying with us, but they are feeling quite sure that because of age and illness and so on that the dog may well die this summer Uh, and so together we've made a whole arrangement about how that's going to be handled if it does happen and payment terms have been very quickly and easily resolved but but you know who to contact how to what what's going to happen if it does die and so and and so you know it's really possible if you're dealing with the right people to make those arrangements for yourself you know it's really interesting isn't it some people might think oh you know i don't really want to talk about that or or acknowledge that but actually it's about making sure the best care is in place yeah. for that animal if if that time comes yeah and and i and I, I mean i think that the reason you know one of the reasons that people don't want to address those issues is because of understandable worry and anxiety mm. and the irony is that if you do address it and you find the right people to deal with uh, i imagine that the fellow that we were dealing with feels a lot less anxiety now because he feels that he's got someone engaged who who is interested and is going to take care. Mm, mm, and he's going to be uh, in good hands if, mm. if that should arise. It's a good point you made. I actually hadn't thought about that so much for an older dog. I was thinking an older dog, it's maybe not going to settle so well in a you know, boarding kennels with lots mm. of other dogs. But you mm. know, you, you, you make allowances for the older dog. You do, absolutely. Yeah, you, you have like an oldies section. <laughs> they all, all dodder <laughs> around there together. Absolutely. Yeah, if, you, if you come into our reception area, which is not huge, but if you come into our reception area and we're busy... There's, there's easily half a dozen dogs there, and they usually are dogs that are uh, either a little bit infirm or don't do as well as other dogs might do in a socialized environment. And the office is full of yapping dogs and sleeping dogs and so on. So, you know, it can be done. What's the animal? Keeper of the clues this morning, Dr. Lucinda Natras, clue oh, number one. Are you doing the clues? I'm doing yeah. the clues. <laughs> That's exciting. Clue number one. This animal spends the long winter on the open ice and even breeds during this harsh season. Females lay a single egg and then promptly leave it behind. They undertake 
an extended hunting trip that lasts some two months. Depending on the extent of the ice pack, females may need to travel some 80 kilometers just to re- reach the o- open ocean, where they will feed on fish, squid and krill. We're going to be having a look at cancer, actually, and recognizing signs getting in there early if you can mm. to help your pet or animal stay with us well, this is a local story and i've been talking to the people at the middle east animal foundation now you might be familiar with this story it was in all the press um it's uh, jenga's story that's the name of the dog he was a street dog living on the outskirts of fajera with his brother and four puppies uh they lived on what was described as a hostile piece of open land next to a highway in fajera uh they were constantly subject to the dangers of moving vehicles starvation dehydration hydration abuse Um, his mate had already been poisoned by persons unknown luckily they were being fed and cared for on a regular basis by members of the Fajera animal rescue Uh, one day the group noticed he this dog Jenga he was walking only on three legs keeping his back leg off the ground after five weeks uh, FAR were able to get help from outside of the emirate and take Jenga in for treatment Um, he uh, help arrived too late for one of the puppies I'm afraid Jenga and the rest of his family along with a dozen other dogs were luckily lucky enough to become part of the newly set up rescue trap neuter return program in Fajera sponsored by the Middle East Animal Foundation of Fajera municipality now once and we've put pictures up have a look at Jenga he's up on our website he's up on our Facebook page you'll see x-ray images showing shotgun pellets lodged into his back leg oh my god yeah there were compound fractures and the bones had grown at odd angles rendering the, the leg useless so during a a complicated operation his leg was broken and reset with pins which were removed five weeks later and after a further two and a half months of therapy healing he's now complete he's made an um, such a fantastic recovery he's made major progress and runs vigorously on his repaired leg so he's doing really really well uh, not only that with all of this happening to him uh, he's a really good-natured dog I've seen the pictures we've posted up a video of him he's really great with cats he's good with the sensible children um, but he needs either a foster home urgently but ideally of course a forever home he's happy he's trusting considering his history now do you think you can give Jenga another chance give him a home but just take a look at him he deserves a good home he's a great dog and he's been through such a lot so he's our animal house hero this week and uh, but he's desperately urgently needs uh, a foster home at least but of course ideally a forever home some of the things you hear about and see uh, a dog being shot um, Lucinda Todd the abuses that you've come across I don't know I mean it's not a happy topic but you know awareness needs to be raised I think I mean well, yeah we, you, we, you, first, you, yeah. you do see abuse uh, definitely um, uh, and it's always upsetting I think I haven't really been in a country anywhere where I have worked where there hasn't been some sort of abuse in one form or another um, yeah I mean Shooting with pellet guns is quite common, in fact. And cats often get shot with pellet guns. Um, and you do an x-ray for a lameness and you see pellets. So, you know, I think that, that that's fairly common. People also like to, you know, try and, you know, try things around dogs' necks and tails. They like to pour things on them. They like to, you know, it's, it's, it's I don't know, I don't really understand the psychology behind it. But, yeah, you know, they do terrible things to dogs and cats for sure. I, I remember when I came here uh, 14 years ago now, 14 years ago, um, you know, it was quite 
quite common back then that you would hear stories uh, of uh, of dogs and cats that were you know shot or you know whatever it was that they were doing similar stories to this i perhaps in total ignorance thought that there has been a decrease in the in the incidence of these things in in recent years am i completely wrong about that well maybe it's venturing into other emirates as well possibly mm, who maybe, maybe the awareness isn't there so yeah, much but clearly terrible. it's, it's just... reaching out to them yeah yeah well they want to say thank you to the benefactor jeff simmons for his rescue treatment and recuperation he uh footed the bill and to michelle francis the rescuer in fajera and advanced pet care clinic in Dubai Um, yeah people in this community we're all in this community we're animal lovers and we just want to help if we can so if you think you can give this dog at least just a few weeks in a foster home over the summer possibly just to give them time to find his forever home then do contact us 4001 is that text number or indeed give us a call 04423 Sally's here to take your calls this morning or just go directly to our website the animal house page is there and you can uh, find the details see the pictures of Jenga see how lovely he is and how deserving and uh, connect with the people directly well that's a sad story and this actually makes me still makes me cry this story actually Todd that you brought to my attention but it's it, it's got beauty don't, sh- don't shoot the messenger <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it has got beauty all around it and this yeah. is the story of Ben and Denali Denali his dog Ben uh, owned him for about I think 14 years I think um, and I think it highlights like something I guess we were touching on last week how dogs are special as every dog owner knows but this bond between you know the pet owner the human and the their dog so tell us a little bit of this story and i'm going to share a little bit of the film this it's been made basically ben has made and shot this film of his dog that recently passed away mm. but it's documenting his life I, i'm I, well i'm i'm afraid i don't know any of the background oh, I, really? I only know the video i saw the video and passed it on to you and uh you know just to comment on that it was uh, it was it was incredibly touching. It was so yeah, touching. Right? It was a, yeah, uh, but very what, what, well made. Yeah, I mean that's what I was just going to say. I think you know one of one of the reasons it was so touching was for uh, a very uh, technical reason, and that is that whoever made it really knew how to make a, a, a good film. You know, is so technically rich and cinema cinematography was fantastic, and the storyline and the way it was edited it was just so beautiful, and it just brought the story in. You know, well we posted up the full film up on our website take a look for yourself it really is a beautiful movie as Todd said uh, the scenery um, yeah well Ben he was kind of described as a bit of a hippie um, he also had his own issues with health he had, he had, uh, cancer, he had well. cancer he did yeah. indeed and whilst he was um, rec- recovering from cancer his dog Denali didn't leave his side you'll see pictures of uh, Denali lying on the hospital bed with Ben mm. um, but then as Denali got older he then developed his own struggle with cancer and I'm just going to play a little bit of this check out the film in full for yourself but it's narrated from the point of view of Denali the dog talking about his life with his owner Ben
I overheard someone talking about their problems the other day. I had the worst day ever, they said. First, there was nowhere to park at Whole Foods, and everyone was acting all aggro, so I had to walk like two blocks in the rain, and my shoes got soaked. Then my stupid salad was like $12. Then I was in such a rush to get to yoga, I forgot my mat. Pretty sure Ben knows I'm dying. I'm not sure if it's the cancer or something else, but he's been taking me to all the places we used to go to and checking on me a lot. The other day he asked me to let him know when I was ready to go. He said he didn't want me to suffer. He's what his hippie friends call a free spirit or something. We camped a lot. I'd pretend I was a giant stinky butterfly. I'd help Ben find girlfriends. We'd go shark fishing. We'd do yoga. I'd give him kisses. We'd hang out with famous people. We even went sailing in the desert once. Which brings me to a time in my life that I've always been a little self-conscious about. Of course, it's not my fault, but I became so handsome that it was impossible to ignore. When Ben started to notice, I had to start working for a living. Humiliating outfits became pretty standard. If you've ever been told to look cute, you know it's not as easy as it sounds. And you can't just fake special kisses in the studio. It won't look authentic. What's the animal? And Dr. Lucinda Natra, she's keeper of the clues uh, today. Todd, you can be next week if you like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, Not to be outdone, eh, Todd? Can I can I do my radio voice? Two <laughs> okay. number two, the males of this animal keep the newly laid eggs warm. They stand and protect their eggs from the elements by balancing them on their feet and covering them with feathered skin known as a brood pouch. During this two-month bout of babysitting, the males eat nothing and are at the mercy of the elements. Oh, tough miss- fatherhood there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were listening there, just a short part of a film that we've posted up on our website. And the film's just over seven minutes long, and it uh, really kind of outlines the bond and story between Ben, the owner of his dog, Denali, and uh, both having their experience of cancer. And, you know... It- it's just check out the film for yourself because it's shot as Todd said it's shot so beautifully it's winning awards and it really does create uh, a sense of a life between an owner and their pet and Denali uh, passed away when you know he basically let his owner know he'd had enough as what is being described it's narrated from the point of view of Denali the dog but by Ben the owner and uh, yeah and that kind of leads us into our topic today we're going to be talking uh, in a moment about uh, cancer in pets and how to maybe recognize the signs so if that's something that concerns you or you've got a story to share then text in on 4001 I just want to clear up a couple of questions though that I've come in so far uh one a little bit earlier todd asking about boarding and uh what's the daily rate for two cats um at dubai kennels and cattery 
Oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, we have actually a, a, a normal standard season rate and a peak season rate. Peak season, of course, we're just entering now. Uh, and so for one cat, it's uh, 110 dirhams a night. Uh, and for two cats, if they're sharing the same enclosure, then the first cat is the same price, and the second cat is 20% uh, discount on that price. But just very briefly, you know, there the range of prices in the country uh, probably probably goes from something like 40 or 50 dirhams a night up to... 100 120 30 so it really depends on which place you go to uh, some of the places that are more remote and have uh, fewer overheads and rent costs and so on charge less and so you have to look around a little bit if 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 our prices are too high okay <laughs> um and yana's texting to say and this is an interesting one i adopted a dog uh uh, from a recognized shelter with all the paperwork. It was about six years ago. Annually, my dog is vaccinated and registered with the municipality. Recently, the previous owner who had abandoned the dog contacted the shelter asking for the dog back. I'm obviously not willing to give back my baby. What are my rights? <laughs> yeah, well, we were just saying <coughs> off air that, uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know for sure, but I, I don't think there is any legal framework for this at all. Uh, which means that the only rights that you do or don't have are what we would regard as common sense or mm. some sort of moral compass. And my, my own opinion is that um, without knowing any more information, and there might be something else to know, but without knowing anything else, it seems um, really illegitimate to come back after six years to, to ask for a pet back. Yes, yeah. yeah, I mean, right if, if me. you gave it up for adoption mm. and it was then adopted properly and that person's taken responsibility. Furthermore, that person's registered as the owner with the Dubai municipality, you know, which you're meant to do. Mm. I can't imagine the previous owner has any rights at all. Mm. But, now, it's, but it's so extraordinary, mm. I think, that After six I'm, years. I'm wondering if there's some kind of reason that we need to know about because it's just so unusual. Yeah, I mean, if the animal got lost or something like that, but still, six years is a mm. long, long it time, is, yeah. isn't and it? And this dog's formed a bond now yeah. with a new owner yeah. as well. So I think, like you say, it's about being sensible and thinking mm. what's best for the mm. pet and if yeah. they're settled and happy and for that person very traumatic and also the idea of it putting people off wanting to adopt an animal Can I think <laughs> people are coming back saying I want my animal back so yeah, yeah. imagine if you adopted a child and that was the case I yeah mean, it just <laughs> yes, doesn't work that way no, no. Um, but if you've got a similar experience then do let us know about it I hadn't heard of that before um, that text number four is, is anybody coming back for our kids <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> 4001 is that text number. And uh, on the point of adoption, just to give a call out again, just quickly for Jenga, uh, the dog that was rescued from Fajera and uh, was shot. He's recovered from his injuries and he's been rescued by the Middle East Animal Foundation. He's in a foster home at the moment, but desperately they need to get him either refostered, he can't stay where he is, or get him a home for good, a forever home. He's a beautiful dog, he's got a great temperament. We've posted up pictures of him and a little video on our website, DubaiI1038.com forward slash Dubai Today. The Animal House page is there. Let's take a look at this not very happy topic, but cancer, the big C, but when it comes mm. to pets and animals. So, Dr. Lucinda, what's the sort of most common forms of cancer that you find in, say, a dog and a cat? Well, yeah, it's, it's a good question. Um, uh, fairly common cancers that we see is, are lymphoma. 
uh, like it's very common in people, it's common in dogs and cats as well. Certain breeds are more susceptible, we find. Um, bone cancers in large, heavy breed dogs are also quite common. And um, we do also see uh, cancers in the urinary tract, like the bladder and the kidneys. And um, as well, uh, there are a number of skin tumors too that you, you, you get in dogs and cats that can spread and cause problems later. But you know, the, the interesting things thing about cancer in, in, in pets is that a lot of people uh, think that the treatments and the goals are pretty much the same as they are with humans. And, and it isn't the case at all because firstly, animals live a much shorter lifespan. You're not trying to keep an animal alive for 80 or 90 years like you are with a human. You're obviously trying to keep them for alive as long as their lifespan is, which is obviously a lot shorter. Let's call it an average of 14 years at best. So um, uh, we, there's a number of treatment options, just like with people, uh, surgical uh, removal of cancers commonly done, depending on the type of cancer, of course, uh, chemotherapy is available, radiation treatments also are available but very costly right very very costly well i mean you know there's no there's no radiation facility available for pets in this country but in other parts of the world yes and it is costly and chemotherapy is very costly of course but you know a lot of people that if they're faced with the choice of chemotherapy are sometimes well you know i don't want to put my dog through what like my gran went through Mm. or my brother went through and i absolutely agree because chemotherapy in humans is aimed at absolutely trying to cure the cancer and so the person goes through quite a process in order to get that result a lot of times chemotherapy in animals is palliative we try and make them feel better more comfortable to make the life they have left less uh, left uh, you know acceptable um, the only real cancers that we go to try and cure are lymphomas and other um, blood-based cancers and even those treatments I mean the, do- the dogs and cats really handle the side effects pretty well because the doses are also different to the s- to doses a human being would get so yes treatments are available there is a massive cost implication though and not all cancers are amenable to treating so if your pet has cancer you need to really fully understand what it is what the options are and what uh, you know what the prog- Agnostic elements are in terms of what are you realistically going to get from the treatment. And when you see a young animal with cancer, mm. yeah. I mean, why is that? Do you think is it just kind of you know unlucky? You know, you know, you see. I think, it, I think there's a genetic base. Genetic to it. base. Yeah. There's an environmental base and also a luck base. I mean, it's the same with humans. You know, you do find small children, babies, even with cancer. Obviously, the older you get, the more at risk you are. So, nine times out of ten, our cancers that we see are in older pets. But you do see uh, cancers in younger animals. Skin cancers you see in younger animals as well as also lymphoma. They don't necessarily need to be old to get lymphoma at all so yeah it's it's a big topic it's an interesting topic and it's a sad topic because Mm. you know it's um yeah it's a a traumatic thing to go through i think for a human so to go through it with their pets as well it's it's not not great fun at all some of the signs then what would be a sign or a symptom well they're non-specific signs that could just indicate anything really but uh, you know what i say to people and we've said this on the show before that you need to really just Keep tabs with what's going on with your pet. You know, you want to try and catch things when they're happening. So changes in appetite, changes in weight, changes in hair coat, uh, increased drinking, urination, anything that's not right. If you think your animal is not quite right and there's something you're not happy with, you should get it checked. Sometimes people notice... Uh, an abdomen that's getting a bit bigger or they're struggling a little bit with their breathing pattern or they see swelling somewhere and that could be related to perhaps a lymph node that's got big. So anything that's not quite right, especially in an older dog or cat, you should 
definitely get it checked out. It can. It's not always the easiest thing to diagnose. You know, you, f- you sometimes have to go to quite, a f- you know, uh, quite a length in terms of blood tests, x-rays, ultrasound, biopsies to actually get an answer. So you also need to be prepared for that. But I think if you're, if you're vigilant and you know your pet and you monitor and, and are aware of changes, that's actually the best step to take to try and preempt any disease and cancers obviously included. And as we heard in the film, you know, with Denali and Ben, his owner, he was narrating on behalf of the dog, if you like, but saying, you know, when the time's right, right, when I'm ready, I'll go. And people talk a lot about this with animals, and maybe that's a topic for another discussion. But the signs, you know, I think you always think once an animal stops eating and doesn't want to eat, that's kind of it. But in fact, it can even be before that, can't it? It might not be just waiting for when an animal stops eating. Yeah, it, it could it could well be before that because lots of animals that are in extreme pain will still eat. Um, less likely to happen with a cat, but the dogs particularly seem to, um, you know, their appetite is very very strongly driven within them. But um, even you know, having said that, uh, it's a combination of things. It's all about their behaviour, their quality of life, as you see it, as the vet sees it. I mean, sometimes an animal can stop eating literally because it's feeling nauseous. And it may be feeling nauseous, not because this means it's the end. It's because it's part of the process or a separate thing to the process that some medication might fix and sort out entirely. So it's not just if they stop eating. It's, it's a combination of things. But um, obviously, I mean, we know nothing about Denali's cancer and what the actual ins and outs of it were. But and he was an old find, dog as yes, well. Yes, but you probably find that Ben had a conversation with his vet and said, you know, I don't want the dog to suffer. You know, we do, we've done what we can. And based on how the dog was, the vet probably said, well, you know, let's, he's always been a good eater. When he starts not wanting his food, that's probably an indication. Mm. And that's probably the way they went. And it's a reasonable route to take, of course. Mm. Yeah. Uh, do have a look at the film. Uh, describes uh, that last evening together and oh, uh, how it was. Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. was crying. I know, I was I too. was thinking of my dear beloved dog, you know, and, and I was mine. like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I hope yeah. she felt that way about me. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, I was just, even just listening to the clip brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> Check it out. It's posted up on our website. What's the animal? Dr. Lucinda. This bird is the largest of its kind and stands some 45 inches or 115 centimeters tall. It is a flightless bird that lives in Antarctica. It also is the name of a Batman baddie with a grand and regal status. So if you think you know what a mystery animal is this morning, let us know. Many of you do. So many messages coming in. Now, again, in the news this week, as the summer months are upon us and many families leave on long summer breaks, animal shelters around the UAE are seeing a record number of cats and dogs being abandoned. Uh, We spoke to Emma Creswell, director of Sharjah Cat and Dog Shelter, to learn more about the scale of the problem. You know, the last six years since we've been open, we've never had a summer like this. Towards the summer every year, it seems to get worse with animals being dumped. But this year, it's just on another level entirely. Before summer, we were seeing around 15 animals which were dumped on our doorstep every day. The number's gone up to about 25 every day at the moment. It's just unbelievable. We always say to people, you know, especially if they're coming and they're wanting a kitten or a puppy, that this is a living animal. It's going to be alive for 10, 15, up to 20 years long. You have to take that into consideration when you're taking a pet on board. You know, it's not just something that uh, it's a gift or you're going to keep it for a short period of time and then get rid of it. You can't do that. It's a living creature. You need to take all of those things into account when you're, you're taking an animal on board. Emma told us that they just simply cannot keep up with the rate of animals that come through the doors. 
sadly, uh, like I say, if we, we're receiving 25 animals a day, I don't have the space, I don't have the staff, I don't have the medicine, I don't have the food. We just don't have that on hand to be able to cater to all of those numbers. So sadly, we end up having to destroy animals. They end up having to be uh, euthanized, they're put to sleep. Uh, it's very sad. Obviously, we don't come into this profession wanting to do that, but it, it's just a sad reality. We don't have the space to fund or anything to be able to keep all of those animals. She said that those who are looking for a pet are best to look in the animal shelters as their first option. Definitely go to a shelter, save an animal um, that needs help. You know, there's so many people that are bringing pets in from uh, other countries and they're selling them, and then they end up, those people end up breeding those animals, and then we're the ones that get the kittens or the puppies when people don't want them. It's just, it's so sad, it really is. If those pet shops weren't there selling those animals in the first place, you know, we wouldn't end up with such a huge problem. So obviously spaying and neutering your pet is a, a huge uh, deal to do over here. You know, it's, we always recommend it. We also asked Emma what other support the shelter needs and how people can help. You know, we're always in need of puppy food, kitten food. At the moment, we need a washing machine. <laughs> washing machine's been on the blink I don't know how many times. But it's also uh, any blankets, used towels. You know, we can always use all of those things over here at the shelter. Talking there to Emma Creswell, Director of Sharjah Cat and Dog Shelter from Liz saying my 13 year old dog is struggling to walk and get up hind legs seem very weak has a lot of fatty tumors but I think she's too old for further surgery to take them off might there be another reason besides arthritis or the tumors for her losing strength in her legs she's 13 years of age yeah there could well be other reasons um well firstly uh you know arthritis itself with pain makes you not use your muscles and so the dog's probably suffered from some muscle wasting as well which makes the legs weak because the muscles aren't able to then pick her up but there are um you know degenerative nerve conditions that are also present especially in large breed dogs you know where the spinal cord undergoes some degeneration and the the peripheral nerves that actually take the motor messages to the legs, to the muscles, that also could be going on. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure you've probably taken your dog to the vet a few times. Um, I agree she's probably, you know, it's too old to go through surgery for the fatty lumps to be removed. But having said that, you know, we anesthetize very old animals all the time. It's not necessarily something to be frightened of. But if they're just fatty lumps that are not getting in the way of the dog and not causing the dog any discomfort and they just look bad, then just leave them where they are. You know, so, um, uh, and I would assume possibly she's on arthritis medication already. I mean, there's a whole, whole plethora of drugs that are available to help your dog feel more comfortable. But if those things aren't working and she's still struggling, then, you know, and a neurological problem has been ruled out you know then you know it's not not a good situation to be in because it sounds like she's not having too much of a good time mm, yeah. she's an old girl yeah she is an old sounds girl sounds a lot yeah. like my purdy actually yeah. but you know um yeah and maybe if you can get her in the sea a bit of swimming yes yeah. i was about to say that hydrotherapy yeah. is really great for yeah. older dogs because they get to actually use those joints without any kind of hard impact and sure. there are a number of hydrotherapy facilities available and around in dubai so you know you should ask your vet about that and maybe that could be something that would you know help her feel better there's two or three now i think yeah i think so yeah Yep.
Todd, um, mm. question here. I don't know if you can help with this, but somebody's asking about how to know whether your puppy has come via a puppy mill here in the UAE. Are there mm. puppy mills here in the UAE? Well, I, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that there are puppy, puppy mills here in the UAE, and I don't have any direct experience, but being in the market and in the industry, um, I, I do know that there are individuals at the very least in various outskirts of the country that are breeding puppies and selling them. Uh, so it's, it's possible that such a puppy came from there. Um, I don't know if there's any real way of telling well, that a I puppy mean, has come from a puppy mill, however. Is well, there? yeah, I mean, I think, I think there are quite a, quite a number of uh, puppy mills in Europe yeah, um, yeah. where, you know, they do supply pet stores here. Yeah, I mean, Hungry, so, Hungry by the way, mm. is very famous <laughs> for that. And, uh, Thailand yeah. as well. Yeah, but, but um, can you... Even, even the Netherlands, I've seen... There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do to tell once you've got the puppy. Uh, it's very difficult because how do you even... Without actually physically going to see where the dog comes, from or meeting the parents, you're not going to know anyway. Yeah. I mean, that, then that is true of any country you are in because puppy mills exist everywhere. So if you had to be really careful, you would need to go to the breeder, see the yeah. establishment, meet the parents, and that's the only way of knowing. Yeah. And obviously in the UAE, that's impossible because yeah. unless you go to the country of origin, it's going to be difficult. And there are, you know, as vets, we see a lot number of vaccination books. And if you've been here a while, you know, I've been here a while now, you get to recognize... Yep. certain stamps and signatures and y you can get a good idea if one's come from a puppy mill but yep. usually at that point it's too late and you've yep. bought the dog so. way, way back when when we first started this show we talked a little bit about these things and uh you know it, it, the sad the sad reality is that uh, even the um so-called reputable pet shops here are are actually importing and selling dogs from these mills and they're often imported too young and stuff like that but mm. I, but I, I think an interesting question is why the concern because if the dog is healthy uh, which may not be the case but if the dog is healthy and you enjoy the dog does it really matter? Or maybe they're thinking about getting a dog. And they're oh, worried. And also, yeah. and also with puppy yeah. mills, you know, genetics yeah. could be not so strong and there mm. could be congenital problems in breeding, all of that. So no, that's, fair. that's, that's fair. probably yeah. what, what they're asking about. Yeah, that's fair. But, you know, keep talking about it. Uh, keep the awareness going. Some people don't even realize that when they're buying no. a, a puppy mm. and they're not even considering where that animal's actually come from and how they're being bred. A big thank you as always to Dr. Lucinda Natras and Todd Carson, DKC Veterinary Clinic based at Motor City check it out it's a lovely place just pop in and have a coffee that's what I did uh, it's a very nice place to hang out especially if you're an animal lover and of course uh, Dubai Kennels and Cattery all the details to connect with Todd and Lucinda are up on the Animal House page at dubaii1038.com forward slash Dubai today